calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And here we are again in this hot closet. Yes, so we are in the closet, but we have the door propped open a little bit to get some of that wonderful, lovely, lovely AC in here. And like little AC because yeah. we have the other door closed. Yeah, so it's not even like coming in full force right now, but if it's a little bit echoey, that's why. It's because yeah. we have this door open and we usually have it shut. Yes, so. and within a half an hour of doing our mini episode, I was like, I'm melting. I can't. Yeah, and we have probably an hour ahead of us, so <laughs> here right. we go. So this week, I got the idea of wanting to talk about influential, trailblazing, game-changer couples, because we talk a lot about individual people, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about two great people who get together. Feminist power couples. Yes. Make a change in the world for the good. I have to tell you, this was hard for me. Yeah? I I had a hard time. I thought of the couple first, and then I was like, I knew you did. I figured that's why you wanted to do this, is because you probably thought of someone you wanted to talk about, which is totally fine. But yeah, I was like, God, this is trickier than I thought. So I'm going to go ahead and apologize already that my notes are all over the place, because I found it hard to like look at each person's like individual accomplishments and like look at the things they did together and individually and put them together. So yes, it is it's a little different, but my my story bases around a case. Okay. I am going to be telling you today about the Lovings. Oh, lovely. Okay, wonderful. Yes. So the case that they were made famous for was Loving versus Virginia. And before I get into their story, I want to give a little bit of background on some, like, U.S. history. So, in 1691, the Royal Colony of Virginia was among the earliest of the British colonies in North America to attempt to regulate marriage and sexual contact between white colonists and any people of color. This threatened all interracial spouses with permanent banishment. So, that's some background before we get into their story. So our couple today is Mildred and Richard Loving. Uh, Mildred. Weren't we just talking about like old old lady names? And I dig on Mildred. I do too. So Mildred was born on July 22nd, 1939 to Musial and Theoliver Jeter. I like the Oliver. The Oliver. The Oliver. It's Theo and Oliver together. But it kind of sounds like theology. Yeah, a little bit. But I still, I'm here for it. Mildred's racial identity is still to this day uncertain, but she self-identifies as Indian Rappahannock, 
but was also reported to be Cherokee, Portuguese, and African-American. So you've talked about this a lot, how a lot of times with black history, your ancestry is gone because of slavery and things like that. Right. So I feel like she probably just doesn't know a whole lot about where she's from. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of looking into her history, but I can tell you they were in the South, right? Virginia, Virginia. yeah. Virginia. Um, that the one drop rule definitely applied. Oh, so she's, well, she was, I mean, she was more mixed looking, but she was very obviously... She was very obviously mixed with black, for yes, sure. And, like, she, you could and definitely she would tell. eventually identify as being black. Right, yeah, so. you could definitely tell. And I can say, like, as a mixed race person, what the world identifies you as, it does matter. Like, it's yeah. not everything, right? Like, you can still, you have your identity, and that's yeah. still part of who you are, but, like, how you're treated is so often, like... How other people see you. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Mildred was, no- Mildred was known as being very quiet and humble, as a Mildred would be, right? Richard Loving was born October 29th, 1933. He was a white man with blonde hair and blue eyes. He was the son of Lola and Twilly Loving. Twilly! Twilly! Oh my god. So oh my many god. good names, right? I, I want to name... That, that sounds, like, insulting, but I kind of want to name, like, my next pet Twilly. I like, like isn't Twilly. that the cutest? Twilly! Uh, Richard worked as a construction worker. The 1830 census marks Richard's paternal ancestor, Louis Loving, as having owned seven slaves, and his grandfather, T.P. Farmer, fought for the Confederacy during the Civil War. So he's got some shady background, but... As do we all. As do we all. (laughs) Any of us who have been in the United States with any white heritage have shady background. Yes. So, but they live... So they live in a place called Caroline County, Virginia, but then they live within another smaller sector that I can't remember what it's called right now, but it'll come up in my notes eventually. So Caroline County strictly followed Jim Crow segregation laws, but where the Lovings lived, here it is, in Central Point, they had a visibly mixed-race community since the 19th century. So, like, their county was buying into a lot of segregation laws and Jim Crow laws and things like that. But this particular little area that they lived was a very mixed race It was like a bubble. Yes, it was a little bubble for them. So Richard's father actually worked for one of the wealthiest black men in the county for 25 years, and Richard's closest friends were black, and he enjoyed racing with, uh, drag racing with Mildred's older brothers. So... That's I think that's kind of how they met because Richard and Mildred met while they were in high school. Mildred went to a different school. She went to an all black girls school. Well, I think that's an important thing to point out is that like even though they were surrounded by the rest of the country and all of the views that were coming from that. Yeah. They themselves were maybe not completely inundated with the same amount of prejudice. So mm-hmm. they probably did not expect fully what was about to happen to them, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, they were aware of it with the precautions they took, but I think they thought they were safe where they lived. And it wasn't the, like, day-to-day world that they lived in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. So they first met when they were in high school, and Mildred first thought Richard came off as arrogant. But they got together anyways, and their relationship was kept on the down low at first. Mildred actually got pregnant when she was 18, and Richard moved in with Mildred and her family, and then he proposed, he proposed shortly after They went to Washington, D.C. to get married to evade Virginia's Racial Integrity Act of 1924, (laughs) which made marriage between whites and non-whites a crime. Racial integrity. Right? Exactly. Oh, there's more in here that's going to make you not so thrilled. So, I feel like I haven't brought them up in a few episodes, but we just had our white terrorism episode where we kind of scratched the surface of a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, the person who does Behind the Bastards... 
he just basically wrote like a book called The War on Everyone. And it really talks about like fascism in America and really talks about like white supremacy, white terrorism, white nationalism, and like all of that stuff. And it gets into this kind of idea, this idea that like we have to protect the white race. And so if you're interested in that, go listen. It's like a seven part series of him just like basically reading his book with commentary. Yeah, that's Um, really cool. But yeah, people fucking like... This is no joke. Like, yeah. they, they legit thought that the white race needed protecting. It you did. Know? Yeah, that's totally what they thought. So after their wedding in D.C., they returned to Central Point and proudly put their marriage certificate on their bedroom wall. Based on an anonymous tip, the local police raided their house in the early morning hours of July 11th, 1958. The cops were hoping to catch them having sex. But, okay, we're talking, like, if we're thinking the early morning hours, I'm picturing, like, 4 or 5 in the morning. I'm fucking asleep. We're a sir. Okay? Who's Ca- fucking at catch, 4 or 5 in the morning? Cash me at 8 p.m., okay? <laughs> Listen. 8, 8 a.m. is when I get all the fucking done. Yeah. Like, a few hours earlier? No. Exactly. <laughs> I said 8 p.m. <laughs> who the hell is having sex at 8 in the morning? I actually had a friend who did background, and her boyfriend worked, like, early, too. They would get up at 3, 4 in the morning to have sex Absolutely fucking No. Not. We're just not no fucking. Way. We're just not having sex then. Like, that's too early. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay i'm old <laughs> i mean like they they're young they're like probably like they're still like like she's 18 i think at this time okay and he's, like, maybe, six years maybe older. at 18 you could have caught me yeah at like four in the morning no, maybe never for me <laughs> never ever well because of course interracial sex was also illegal and another charge so they were like how many things can we catch these two on so when the- don't you have anything else to do no like it's so fucking no, weird nope Nope, they don't. Um, when the police caught them sleeping, Mildred pointed to their... Well, some people say Mildred pointed, some people Richard say Richard pointed to their marriage license on the wall, and they basically told them, well, that's not valid here. And so they took them both away, and they were charged under the Section 2058 of the Virginia Code, which prohibited interracial couples from being married outside of the state, then returning to Virginia, and Section 2059, which classified miscegenation... This is the word I had a hard time with last I remember. week, and I have it, like five times in here miss miss miscegenation miscegen how would you say this word easily miss miscegenation miscegenation god it could be wrong i don't know but that's what it looks like which classified miscegenation or the mixing of racial groups through marriage cohabitation sexual relations procreation which is a negative impact on the purity of race and culture oh my god which is a felony punishable by one to five years in prison because how dare they be in love with each other. I mean, also, listen. Listen. It may be the tequila talking, but all these white people didn't seem that interested in racial purity when white people came over and they were raping all of the women here. Yeah. So, I mean, you didn't seem super concerned at that point. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what the problem is. Yep, yeah, I don't know. But they're superior, you know? They're Clearly. Richard spent only one night in jail, where Mildred spent several nights in jail. Remember that. On January 6, 1959, the Lovings pled guilty to, quote, cohabitating as man and wife against the peace and dignity of the commonwealth. They were sentenced to one year in prison, with the sentence suspended on the condition that the couple could leave Virginia and not return together for the next 25 years. So they were, being, they were like, you can stay married, but you're banished and you can't visit your friends and family. So they moved to D.C. 
But by 1954, they grew frustrated that they couldn't visit their friends and family in Virginia, and the social isolation and financial difficulties in their new home were really weighing on them. This led Mildred to write in protest in a ter- to Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, who referred her to the ACLU, who assigned Levings with their volunteer attorneys, Bernard S. Cohen and Philip J. Hirschkopf. The attorneys filed a motion on behalf of the Lovings of Virginia County Circuit Court that required the court to vacate the criminal charges against the Lovings and set aside their sentence in account of Virginia law going against the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. On October 28, 1964, the ACLU attorneys brought a class action suit in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia. The court judge in this case was Leon M. I don't know if it's Brazil or Brazil. He wrote, Almighty God created the races, the races white, black, yellow, Malay, and red, and he placed them on separate continents. And but for the interference with his arrangement, there would be no cause for such marriages. The fact that he separated the races shows that he did not intend for the races to mix. Okay, first of all, white people came to America and fucked shit up for the Native Americans. Well, first of all, there's Excuse that. Me. And then secondly, um, Race is a social construct. Yes. (laughs) There is... It's not a biological difference. It's a social construct, first of all. Secondly, y'all came over here. Yep. Thirdly, y'all brought black people over here. So there's all of that. It's not as... It's not as though these people came together... They came here to wreak havoc. Yeah. I mean, biologically, race is a social construct, and Mm -hmm. there's no real difference you know, he probably didn't believe as a that. species yeah. between between the races. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I get it that they don't believe it, but it's it's science. So, I mean, there's that. But anyway. Exactly. The Lovings appealed Judge Bazile's decision on constitutional ground to the Virginia Supreme Court. The new judge, Harry L. Carrico, believed that the Lovings case was not a violation of the Equal Protection Clause because the white and non-white parties were punished equally, which... First of all, no. No. Well, because Richard spent one night in jail, he got bail and got out. Mildred was not given that same courtesy. Right. So, no, they were not treated fairly. Um, But because the only factors determining if they did, in fact, break the law was based on race, the lawyers argued that it did, in fact, violate the Equal Protection Clause. They also stated that the 14th Amendment's due process clause was violated because it deprived its people of constitutional of being constitutionally protected without due process of law. The lawyers argue that this clause states that freedom to marry is a fundamental right and depriving Americans of that right is unconstitutional. The court found their original sentencing too vague and asked for the Lovings to be resentenced in Caroline's Circuit Court. So basically all of that is just saying that like it's, it's them going back and forth, saying whether or not this is constitutional or unconstitutional. The lawyers on, from the ACLU saying there are all these clauses and protections, the 14th Amendment, all of this is saying this is unconstitutional. And yet the other side is still finding ways of twisting it and saying, no, this is why it is constitutional. And then they were saying that their sentencing from their original trial was so vague that they kind of Can had to, you like, believe it. that the fucking Supreme Court was like, 
I think about this with, like, gay marriage and other things, too, where, like, are we really expending this amount of energy on, like, somebody else's fucking relationship? Yeah. Like, why are you so salty about this? It has literally nothing to do with you. I always think that, like... This was Virginia County Circuit Court, so this wasn't quite at the Supreme Court yet, but it goes to the Supreme Court. They were headed there. You know what I mean? I mean, but all of it. Like, that's what I mean. It's just, like, the fact that this would even progress that far is, like, so insane to me. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's completely insane. But the Lovings appealed their decision to be tried again in the Caroline County Circuit Court, so they appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The Lovings did not attend the oral arguments in Washington, but asked their lawyers to convey a message given by Richard Loving that says, Mr. Cohen, tell the court I love my wife, and it is just unfair that I cannot live with her in Virginia. On June 12, 1967, the Supreme Court issued a unanimous 9-0 decision that overturned the Loving's Virginia criminal convictions and struck down the anti-miscegenation laws. I did it. You did it. After the trial, Mildred and Richard were free to openly live in Caroline County again, where they raised their children and built a home. Because of the Lovings, interracial marriage grew across the United States. In Georgia, the number of interracial marriages increased from 27 in 1967 to 115 in 1970. 0.4% of marriages were interracial in 1960, 2% in 1980, 12% in 2013, and 16% in 2016, almost 50 years after Loving. Couldn't find any statistics from this year. You know, I think it's interesting. Like, I literally just had this conversation with... um, Anthony, my fiance Anthony, and you know, my parents were married in I think 1988, and my dad is black and my mom is white. And Anthony's parents were married in the early 1960s, mm-hmm. and his father is a Filipino immigrant, and mm-hmm. his mother is white. And I had this conversation with him recently about like how for both of our parents. Even my my mom in, like, the 80s and yeah. my parents in the 80s, like, how difficult that that would have been even, oh, at, even at that time, yeah. you know, and especially, like, his... Because you were in the minority. And I had that conversation with him where I was just like, did you ever talk... Have you ever talked to your mom about, like, what yeah. that must have been like for her as, like, a white woman in the 1960s yeah. to be marrying somebody who wasn't white? Like, what was the response, like, of her family? Like, did it take some time for people to come around? I know family members that I know and love, I love and appreciate, like, I know that they had a not great reaction yeah. to, like, my parents getting together. And it's it's a really wild thing to think about. Yeah, it Because is. nowadays, I think we're so used to seeing a lot of mixed-race couples. But yeah. even when I was a kid, being mixed was not the standard. Like, no. it wasn't the well, norm. Well, because the marriages before us and the generation before us right. were not very common. So then right. being a mixed kid became uncommon. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's it's far more common now. Yes. And I know, you know, there's a new show coming out called Mixedish. That's yeah. that's, you know, a, a spin off from Blackish. And I read the comments under the ads for that because it's a show that, you know, we put on at my work. And um a lot of people are angry about it and they're upset that this is something that's happening and I understand it because colorism is a real problem and black people are upset that like we didn't need this show like mixed people have always had so much representation and on the one hand I hear them because uh, oftentimes people like Halle Berry it's like or Obama like these are black people but they're really mixed people you know what I mean but on the other hand there aren't a lot of stories about like what it's like 
to like be a mixed yeah, race and child. Yeah, her, and her character on Blackish does talk a lot about it too. So it'd be fun to explore what her childhood was like. Yeah, and like what that's what that's like. It's like an unusual thing and, you know, it's an incredible thing that the Lovings did. Yeah. That they kind of like took that step that made it easier for everybody, like yeah. moving forward to have those relationships and for people like me to exist. Yes. Well, a good segue, they Mildred actually also made a really really great comment for same-sex marriage in June of 20, or sorry, in June of 2007, on the 40th anniversary of the Supreme Court's decision in Loving versus Virginia, Mildred Loving issued this statement. My generation was bitterly divided over something that should have been so clear and right. The majority believed that what the judge said, that it was God's plan to keep people apart and the government should discriminate against people in love. But I have lived long enough now to see big changes. The older generation's fears and prejudices have given way, and today's young people realize that if someone loves someone, they have a right to marry. Surrounded as I am now by wonderful children and grandchildren, not a day goes by that I don't think of Richard and our love, our right to marry, and how much it meant to me to have the freedom to marry the person precious to me, even if others thought he was the wrong kind of person for me to marry. I believe all Americans, no matter their race, no matter their sex, no matter their sexual orientation, should have that same freedom to marry. Government has no business imposing some people's religious beliefs over others, Mm -hmm. especially if it denies people civil rights. I am still not a political person, but I am proud that Richard's and my name is on the court case that can help reinforce the love, the commitment, the fairness, and the family that so many people black or white, young or old, gay or straight, can seek in life. I support the freedom to marry for all. That's what loving and loving are about. Oh, Isn't that beautiful? It is beautiful. And so, how fitting that their last name is Loving. I've always I know, thought that. I'm me like, too. It's amazing. It's so fitting. So to wrap it up a little bit, Richard and Mildred were happily married until Richard passed away in 1975. He was killed by a drunk driver in a car accident, and Mildred was actually in the car with him, and that accident left her blind in her right eye. After the death of her husband, Mildred shied away from the spotlight and often refused to give interviews. Mildred Loving passed away from pneumonia on May 2, 2008, at the age of 68. She was survived by her two children and a legion of grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And now, June 12th is the official hol- unofficial holiday, Loving Day. Oh, I know. It's amazing. It's so sweet. And I want to point out that there were cases before the Lovings where they fought for... Um, you know, marriage equality for the races and things like that. And I was thinking about talking about some of those people, but I think this one is a really well-known one that, like, a lot of people still don't know about. And Mm -hmm. since we do have a lot of younger listeners who maybe don't know who the Lovings are and things like that, that that's a good place to start. And there was a really amazing movie that came out a couple of years ago. I did not like it. You didn't like it? I watched maybe the first half an hour. I did not buy their chemistry. Didn't like it. Couldn't watch it. Oh, I watched it. I don't know. I'm glad you liked liked it. it. I thought that they did a great job. But, um, I mean, it is one of those things where it it does take away a little bit of the romanticizing because they do portray the couple in a real way of, like, they're having a lot of arguments and, like, stuff that really probably would be happening because you're under a lot of pressure. Oh, totally. But it is, I didn't, I just didn't buy the chemistry from the two of them. So for me, it was hard to watch. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I didn't really love it. So I didn't finish it. Okay. So mine is not going to be as linear as that because basically I just threw all of the stuff into a document and I will 
tell it as best I can. You always do great. Okay. I'm amazed that I got that all done so fast. I yeah, was like, you this were is like, gonna be long. <laughs> That's probably why I was tripping over my words because I'm like, let's get through this shit. <laughs> no need, no need. We've got plenty of time. So, um, I'm going to pull it into the modern era, and I'm also going to talk about an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. So, I am going to talk about. Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. Yes, yes. girl. Yes, my bays. Yes. If I could insert myself into one couple. Yeah. Like I don't know. I want to be married to both of them. Yep. Couldn't At choose. The same There's time. no way I could choose. Yeah. Yes. We can. You can be a thruple. Yes. Wow. Yes, I just please. see. I see a sweat drop on my leg from my forehead. I'm sorry. Listen. I've never been a sweater in my life. Sorry. And now I'm like. We just gotta get through it. <sighs> Good thing I put deodorant on. These are the I sacrifices we God. make for you, the listener. Yeah. Okay. So leave us reviews. <laughs> <laughs> so Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, they first met on the set of John Legend's 2007 music video for Stereo, which is a song that I did had not heard until I watched the music video today. Um, for it. I actually like it. Is it I think cute? Is the video cute? Do you see I them mean, together? You do see them together, and it's only cute because you know, like, yeah. what ended up happening with them. Because otherwise, I'm like, okay, this is like any other r and music video. She's in a bikini. You yeah. have clothes on. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, meh. Okay. Not, not, not my ideal start to a feminist relationship. Exactly. But it's fine. Um, but I digress. So they were on set, apparently, for like 12 hours that day, and Chrissy Teigen talks about how, like, they... We're just hanging out together all day long, and afterwards, they just wanted to keep hanging out together. So oh. she went with him to his hotel room. Of course. Of course they ended up hooking up, but before they ended up hooking up, they just, like, stayed up and talked and ate in and out oh. and, like, watched TV together, which oh. I think is, like... So cute. It's like they were working all fucking day, you know, and they're like, let's just go get some fucking, like, animal-style double-doubles and chill. Um, So they started dating pretty immediately after that. Like, they... It was casual... You know, she talked about how, like, she's like, I didn't want to come on too strong or feel like I was, like, trying to nail him down too soon, so I let him do his thing. Yeah. Let him come to me. We texted. We talked. And then he talks about how, like her wit basically like won her over which is now like this infamous wit that she uses all over social media like but that's the thing that kind of won him over was phone call conversations and she was so funny and like witty through like text so and she's beautiful and smart yeah yeah and so he was like you know I kind of want to get to know this girl more so they started kind of officially dating and then she talks about how one time he got really sick when he was on the road and he was really stressed out and he broke up with her because he was like, I'm just not ready for a relationship. Yeah. And it lasted a day. Yeah. And then he called her. They were broken up for one day. And yeah. And then he called her, and now she teases him all the time, like, you broke remember up when with you me. broke up with me? And he's like, yeah, biggest mistake. So dumb. Like, so stupid. Oh, um, they can never break up. Yeah. Oh They're not God. allowed. Can you imagine? I, 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 my belief in love will be officially dead. Yeah. I, I don't think I will be able to nope. go on. No. Nope. Um, but they then married in Lake Como in 2013. Mm. So, okay. So that's kind of the synopsis of their relationship. Let's get and then into. He wrote, all oh, me. Oh my gosh. Loves all of you. It's so sweet. <laughs> Honestly, like, they, all that gushy shit, I'm usually like, first of all, fuck you. But like, whenever I see them, I'm like, oh my God. Here for it. They're Here so for cute. It. And I think it's funny that. Chrissy's like, I'm so sick of hearing that song. And yeah. everyone looks at me when it's playing, like, looking for me to get emotional. She's like, You're I've like, heard I've this heard song. It a million times. Yeah. I was in the video. Yeah. I heard it before all of you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> both of them have separately 
you know, independently of each other, come out and given themselves the label of feminists. They've yeah. both come out and said that they consider themselves to be feminists. Back in 2013, John Legend spoke about it to reporters uh, before the Sound of Change live concert in London, and he said, all men should be feminists. If men care about women's rights, the world will be a better place. And then he doubled down on his stance after his daughter Luna was born, saying... I'm always suspicious of people who become feminists only when they have a daughter. Yep. I don't like that you have to have a gay son for... Uh, I don't like that you have to have a gay son to be for gay marriage. I feel like you should have enough empathy for other people that you don't need someone to be in your family to think they're valuable. I thought of myself as a feminist before I had a daughter and before I was married. Having a daughter might reinforce that, but it shouldn't be the only reason I care about women's rights. He also recently, like, whenever you said you wanted to do this, I was like, ugh, I don't know what couple I want to do. And then I was on Instagram, and of course, like, you know, the shootings just recently happened yeah. in El Paso and Dayton, and I came across this clip of John Legend speaking about um, the shootings, and he's been pretty outspoken after these shootings mm -hmm. about the fact that we have a issue with gun with guns in this country, mm -hmm. uh, among other things. And he was talking about it, and he basically said that the NRA... And I will post this video to our Instagram, but mm -hmm. he said that the NRA tries to stand up or says that they're standing up for rights of gun owners, but actually they're standing up for the rights of gun manufacturers. Mm -hmm. And that's why after every shooting, they come forward and say, like, you know what the, the resolution to this problem is? more guns. Yep. You know, and so I fucking love that he came forward and, like, was very outspoken about that. Yeah. They've also both been super outspoken about women's reproductive rights. They yeah. donate to Planned Parenthood regularly. Yeah. John participated in um, Seven Inches for Planned Parenthood, which Aww. was this compilation of songs. I think the woman from Churches did it. Also, like, Zach Galifianakis was, was in on it. And it was a compilation of songs benefiting uh, Planned Parenthood. Aww. And after the Planned Parenthood shooting in Colorado Springs last year, Tegan instantly showed her support, her support on Twitter. And she said, every time shit like this happens, John and I immediately make another donation to Planned Parenthood. Oh, and yeah. then she provided a link for other people to donate. That's amazing. They were also super outspoken Hillary advocates in the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. Chrissy trolled the shit out of Trump, like, oh, all yes. throughout the election. And, infamously. And since, like, infamously, to the point where he blocked her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he blocked... That's that's our president, folks. Like, yep. thin-skinned fucking Trump. He blocked Chrissy Teigen. It's so um, funny. And she, she told news outlets that she, like, fucking hated him. She's like, yeah. I'm not gonna apologize for my words. Like, I said what I said. I fucking hate him. I don't understand how we're even in this position right now. Yep. Uh, that would be, like, an accomplishment. To get blocked by yeah. Trump? Yeah, yeah. It totally would be. And so in 2016, um, Chrissy Teigen wished Donald Trump a happy... Uh, 72nd birthday on Twitter and she like basically was just trolling him yeah. all day on his birthday which I think is hilarious um, she announced that she and her husband had made four donations of $72,000 to the ACLU a total of $288,000 
to help combat the Trump administration's controversial policy on separating migrant children from their parents. Yes. And when she did this, she put a note that said, John and I are outraged to see and hear the horror stories of immigrant families seeking asylum and refuge in America being ripped apart due to the inhumane policies of the Trump administration. These actions are cruel, anti-family, and go against everything we believe this country should represent. The ACLU is committed to defending the rights and humanity of these vulnerable families. Mm -hmm. In addition to fighting for immigrants' rights, uh, they're advocating for reproductive rights, voting rights, criminal justice reform, LGBT rights, First Amendment rights, and holding the Trump administration accountable whenever possible. The president celebrates his 72nd birthday today. On this auspicious occasion, in order to make Trump's birthday great again, each member of our family has donated $72,000 to the ACLU. If you would like to donate $7.20 or $72 or whatever you like to the ACLU in honor of this blessed day, please go to the ACLU.org slash 72. With love, Chrissy, John, Luna, and Miles. I love that. And when they decided to do that, um, in two days... They made over $1 million. Wow. So she tweeted, You didn't think your $7.20 would be much. Some of you gave $72 you barely had. In just two days, you guys donated over $1 million to the ACLU. Over two, uh, over 20,000 of you donated. You did that. I'm so grateful, so happy, so hum- humbled and hopeful to live amongst you wonderful beings. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's so beautiful. So John also um, starred in an ad that opposed Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court confirmation. And this ad was produced by the NCAA Legal and Educational Defense Fund. Mm -hmm. So Tegan also is, Christy Tegan is also an outspoken, she's outspoken about many things. She's outspoken about almost everything, which makes her such an incredible human being. I think when you're in the public eye and you are probably getting heat, Constantly, yeah. Um, she and John had infertility problems. Yes, uh, they had a really difficult time getting pregnant. She was very outspoken uh, about her issues. Yeah, and they ended up having to get IVF. Yeah. Uh, so she got IVF, and then after she gave birth. Uh, she was very open and actually wrote an entire op-ed about her battle with postpartum depression. Yeah. And uh, and all of that after the birth of her daughter, Luna. And then she also became a very outspoken body positivity advocate after yes. that. Um, I mean, actually before that as well, because even though you look at Chrissy Teigen, like, watch that video that she's in with John Legend, and you're like, she looks amazing. Like, yeah. by our beauty standards, you yeah. think that she looks incredible. But that's the same person in the same body that she tweeted about she got kicked off of a Forever 21 set yes. for being too, quote-unquote, fat for yeah. them. And she's been very, like, forthcoming about that. She's been very forthcoming about, like, her body since having children. I remember her posting a picture of her legs with her stretch marks and calling them tiger stripes and encouraging other women to post them right. as well. yes, And yes. having that, because I have stretch marks from going through my eating disorder and Mm -hmm. having my body fluctuate so much. And I just remember, like, having a hard time because at one point they were very dark and Mm -hmm. I had really dark stretch marks on my boobs, which to me was, like, supposed to be a beautiful thing. And I had these dark, dark, ugly, I thought, looking marks. And seeing something like that and then seeing all these other people post their pictures 
very much Empowering. normalized the Absolutely. situation for me. We all have stretch marks. Listen, yeah. like I have them on like my upper thighs and my butt, and I have them on my boobs. And like Excuse it's <laughs> it's a very normal thing for women to deal with, and men actually. Yeah. Men have stretch marks as well. Yeah. And I loved seeing whenever she was talking about the Forever Twenty One thing, and she was tweeting about it, and people were kind of like coming at her, and she was like firing back about how yeah. unacceptable it is. To basically, like, mid-job tell somebody that they're too fat. Like, she was mid-makeup on this photo shoot, and they told her, like, she needed to leave. Um, And somebody commented, and they were like, I would kill to have your body. And, like, she responded to this stranger on the internet and was like, you have your body. And, Mm -hmm. like, your body is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly, like, what it should be and that we all need to, like, stop. Basically, take a step back. Like, stop comparing ourselves, you know? Um. So yeah, she's she's been very outspoken. I love the way that she engages with people online. Me too. I think it's so like personal and um and that's really beautiful. So, okay. <clears throat> John Legend is also an advocate for racial justice, uh racial justice and criminal justice reform. He is the founder of the Show Me campaign, which seeks to give every child access to education and hashtag Free America, a program designed to change national conversations and policies about our country's misguided criminal justice system. Yeah. He's also a team member of the Bail Project. And the Bail Project is a nonprofit organization designed to combat mass incarceration by disrupting the money bail system. So they are basically paying bail for people who are in need because our mass incarceration system, I mean, it really does seek to keep as many people incarcerated as possible. And it disproportionately affects poor communities and communities of color. So Mm -hmm. the bail project um, goes in and they, they try to like... They they basically see paying the bail of somebody in need as an act of resistance against a system that criminalizes race and poverty and an act of solidarity with local communities and movements for decarceration. That's wonderful. Yes. He also advocated earlier this year for changing uh, for changing tables in men's bathrooms. Yep, I remember that. Which is amazing. I love his diaper commercial, too. Yes, because he partnered with Pampers, yeah. I think. And then he also like went out and said uh, that spending time out and about with my kids is one of the greatest joys of my life, but it's frustrating when I'm out with Miles and the men's restroom doesn't have a baby's changing table. Yeah. I'm proud to support Pampers as it paves the way for more inclusive parenting by providing all of us dads out there with the tools we need to succeed. Exactly. So that's amazing. And I've had to change a diaper in a bathroom that didn't have a changing table. Oh, you gotta put your baby on like a gross floor or something? It was awful. I was at a Chipotle. I was nannying. They were like go change him and I was like or no I wasn't at the Chipotle we were at like an ice cream place and there was no bathroom so I had to go to a Chipotle to use their bathroom and I have this like three month old baby and I ended up just having to like take my sweater off bunch it up get a bunch as much stuff underneath him as I could and literally just like and then lay the the sheet kind of over it like the the changing thing I mean, and it's, it's like this poor little child is yes. like on the bathroom floor, and the, and bathroom like public bathroom floors, floors are so gross, and like it just doesn't even make sense in 2019. Like there are, I mean, there have always been, but specifically now, like there are same sex couples, there yeah. are single lots of fathers. single fathers. Yeah. You know, there's really no reason why 
we would have changing tables only in women's restrooms. Like, it yeah. honestly doesn't make any sense And at I all. hope that in places where there are only changing tables in women's restrooms, that women will give a guy a break and be like, yeah, come on in. Yeah, you oh, God, I mean? yeah. I really hope that Seriously, that because it is gross. I've been in, like, a Starbucks bathroom, like, public bathroom, and I'm like gross. I, would, I just have to clean those bathrooms all the time. Yeah, like, I don't even want to put my purse on the floor in yeah, here. Like, I no. definitely wouldn't want to put a, a baby, baby, like, with a compromised immune system on this bathroom floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I could really go on and on about, mm-hmm. like, Chrissy and John. It's difficult, actually, and actually I think this is something that I admire about them as a couple, is, like, it's difficult to come up with all of the things that they do together because yeah. they they seem very united as a couple and they also seem like they both are just as passionate about yes. social justice and just as passionate about the, the causes that they are passionate about. Yeah. But they oftentimes act completely independent of each other. Like, yeah. they're very, like, separate. But I think that's, like, a really healthy example agree. of a relationship. I, I agree. I actually really love that. They're both, like, you know that they bond over this, you know, both being feminist, and both being... And it's not being... one person leading the way and right. the other person following along. Like, it's very obvious that both of them support each other and that they both have causes specifically that have affected them that they want to encourage others to care yes. about as well. and they're so proud of each other, yeah. too, you know, and it's just, like... It's clear that they both care about all of the things. It's just that you can see, like, sometimes Chrissy Teigen will be like, you know what? I'm going to be an advocate for breastfeeding in public or yeah. postpartum depression or, like, all of these things because I'm a woman and I'm going to focus on the things that, like, yes. women go through. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have John Legend, who is not only an advocate for women, but he is also an advocate for, like, racial justice yeah and you know all of these these other intersectional kind of like avenues and it's really really cool to see a couple like that and you're right if they ever like split up i will be like love is dead no exactly because i i thought of them i thought about a couple of other couples to maybe like talk about for this kind of like powerhouse. I thought of like the Obamas. I thought about the Obamas. I thought about um and you know there were a few other couples that I thought about. But what I liked about this couple is that like it's I see myself more in this couple. Like, yeah. in this relationship yeah. where I'm like I am such an independent person. Yeah. But I also want somebody by my side who's like just as like Intense about Intense about this shit as I am, but we don't necessarily need to do, like, all of this stuff together. But I know, like, you've got my back, I've got your back. Yep. And all you have to do is look at that fucking gif of Chrissy Teigen, like, crying at the Oscars when John Legend won that award for Selma to know that, like, they have each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they support each other. I love I love her like mom splaining clapbacks too. Oh, me too. They both go through a lot of shit for their parenting, Mm -hmm. and they have perfect responses. They're great. Well, and I love like there was a tweet that John Legend actually posted um, that I really really loved what he said because he doesn't get as much shit as she does, and he actually came forward and said, you know what, I don't see a whole lot of dad shaming. Like, if we go out to dinner, I want, if you're gonna drag Chrissy, I want you to drag me too. Mm -hmm. Because, like, both of us are away from our kids. Yeah. So, like, why does she get dragged and I don't get dragged? Yeah. Like, I just love that he's so fucking, like, woke about all of that shit. Like, he's so aware of it. And that, honestly, in 2013, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but him declaring himself a feminist and saying 
saying all men should be feminists and I'm a feminist as a black man in 2013. Yeah. Really was kind of before people were doing that. Like, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So. Exactly. It's really, really cool that like, it, it to me, I don't think it is a fad for him. I think it's like. It's what his life is. It's what his life is. For both is, of them. You yeah. Know? It really seems like that's just how they were raised and that's who they are. Yeah. And I'm not saying like they're, you know, flawless human beings. No, I'm not saying if you not. dug through their past or dug through their old tweets that you wouldn't find something problematic. But like. I think that they are good humans who are trying to be better humans. Like, yeah, all who are the time. evolving and always trying to do the right yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So, <sighs> yeah. I'm dying right now, Keegan. I know it's it's hot in here. It it I'm, feels humid in here. The underboob sweat is so intense right now. I hear you. Oh I hear my you. God, I'm all right. Shower when I get home. So let's wrap it up. Let's then. wrap it up. Real um, good. <laughs> I didn't do as good a job as you did. You did fantastic. About what are you loving. talking about? Uh, but thank you so much for recommending this topic. I do think it's important to like call out like I think oftentimes people think that feminists hate men. Yeah. <laughs> and not that couples always have to be heteronormative heterosexual couples, but we both chose heterosexual couples. Yeah. And I think it is important to call out like you can have a really supportive, wonderful, fantastic feminist relationship. Yes. It's out there. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Yep. And if the person that you're seeing is shitty, Leave them. Because there's, there's someone else out there who's, who's willing to be the John Legend to your Chrissy Teigen. Exactly. And will fulfill you in all of those individual ways that you are. Absolutely. Yeah. So exactly. So if you have any episode suggestions or any sister solidarity stories, if you have a feminist couple that you would like us to talk about, yeah. I'm sure we'd be willing to do this again I in the future. I would love to. Um, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also get us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We always appreciate that. We sure do. Or you can leave us a review on on our Facebook business page. We also have a Facebook group. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Yamf Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. And you can listen on Radio Public. Woo! I knew there was something I was leaving out. Um, please listen on Radio Public if you uh, haven't done so already. Um, it's free for you. Good for us. Yeah. I you know what I just it. realized? Huh? I never left us a review. I never rated us. Oh, my God. I just rated us. I've never rated us before on Apple Podcasts. I'm insulted. I know. <laughs> Personally. I did not even realize that I never did that. My bad. So, you guys, I just rated us on Apple Podcasts. You should do the same. We're at 90 ratings. I would love to get to 100, like, this week. That'd be cool. Thanks. Much appreciated. <laughs> Am I asking for too much? I might be. It's fine. A girl can dream. Look, we don't want to push you away. No. Okay? We don't want to come on too strong. I don't no. want to be too clingy. We're just thirsty. Li just literally thirsty. It's so hot in here. Yeah, literally, I'm dying and I'm tired. It. So you guys, thank you so much for listening. It's all we have for today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. 
and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.